Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Reboot. Everyone say reboot. Reboot. Now tonight, when we talk about rebooting, anything that is uh, not working correctly, anything that freezes, anything that needs a uh, system upload has to be rebooted in order for those things to take effect. And many times in our lives, salvation is a rebooting experience. Salvation is something where we are going back to our original settings because sometimes we end up being misused, abused, not operating in the level that we were created for. And so I want you to know that this morning not or this evening, not everything in life is electronic that needs to be rebooted. There's times that our marriage needs to be rebooted. There's times that our finances need to be rebooted. There's times that our emotions need to be rebooted. There's times our career needs to be rebooted. Our education needs. We have to go through these rebootings in order to get back to our original settings. And it's vital. And so whenever something doesn't work, we reboot. Now, Jesus called this repentance. Everyone say repent. Repent means to change your mind and the, the, the change your thinking. And it doesn't just mean just your direction, but it means literally to change how you think. And the problem is this, is that many of us haven't changed our thinking, so we end up back in the same condition. Uh, some of you right now, I guarantee you this, if I were to give you a million dollars, you'd be broke in two years. Because you, you haven't trained your mind, you're not ready for another level. And until you're ready for another level on how to manage money or that, that's why some are still single, because you don't know how to manage a relationship. You don't know how to handle money or a job. You don't know how to handle promotion because there's very there's times in our lives that we haven't prepared ourselves for the next level. And so you have to prepare yourself by your thinking. And until your thinking changes, you bring a single mentality into a marriage. You you bring a employee mindset to an entrepreneurial business. You're trying to start a business and you come in as an employee, you're going to only work 9 to 5. As an entrepreneur, you got to create, you got to create, right? You're an owner of a nonprofit organization. You got to hustle. You got to make things happen. You're not just checking in and checking out. When you started that, the tree service business, you had to make things happen. You had to work whenever the work came up because if it's going to be, it's got to be me. You got to take things to another level. And so many times in our lives, we don't change our mentality. It's not the problem. It's not the man. It's not our surroundings. It's our mind and until you change your thinking some you need to understand you're never going to step into true sobriety until your mind changes can you handle sobriety do you know how it is to operate with the sober mind and those things are vital to learn how to deal with things because Jesus called it repentance Paul called it renewal renew your mind Renewing our mind through the word of God, where David called it restoring. Last week, we talked about restoration. And I shared with you last week about how David, after he fell into sin, how he went through these seas, these five seas here. And how uh, when he found himself in this situation where he had fallen with Bathsheba, 
we're going we're gonna to kind of jump ahead. Restoration belongs with, with these areas here. Notice this. It starts, first of all, with connection. Everyone say connection. connection. You have to have a relationship with someone in your life that has the ability to correct you. Whenever you do not have the relationship with someone, a pastor, a family member, a boss, a friend, a mentor that has the ability to bring correction in your life, you're never going to be able to get to another level. And we have to be correctable. The problem is we all want to go to new levels, but we don't want anyone telling us what to do. We, we want a new job, but we don't want new training. We, we want new levels, but we don't want to go through what's required to get there. And so it's vital that we learn to be teachable. Everyone say correction. Correction, correction is vital, folks. We got, that's what trainers are all about. If you've ever worked out and you had a trainer, the trainer's not the one lifting. The trainer's watching you lift, and their job is to critique you. And to correct, no, no, don't do it that way. Get, get, stand this way, do this. Stop telling me what to do. That's what a trainer does. And many of us want to grow spiritually, but we don't want no one telling us what to do. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm trying to train you. Look, only God can judge me. Well, I can tell what's going on here. And I used to, you know, I used to always say this. The Bible says you can tell a tree by its fruit. So if you keep producing oranges and you keep telling me you're an apple tree. But all I see is oranges coming from you. Is that judging? Or is that observing? So you say you're a Christian. You say you want to grow. You say you want to get close to God, but the fruit coming from you doesn't match what you say you are. We're not judging you. (laughs) I'm awake. not judging you I'm, I'm observing the fruit and so I don't need to judge your condition or your situation I'm just recognizing what fruit is being produced and, and the Bible tells me that I can go through and look based on what you're producing who you are for the fruits of the flesh are evident And the fruits of the Spirit are also evident. And so based on what you're producing determines what you are. So we we need correction in our lives. Secondly, we need confrontation. And in order to have correction, you have to have relationship. It's hard to take correction from someone that you have no relationship with, right? And that's what was cool. You know, he he responded to... uh, our relationship as pastor and, and, and member, he, he responded to that. He could have gotten ticked and walked out. I'm never coming back to this church again. Would have missed out on the best church around, but you, you could have walked out and done so. But it, it goes about relationship. You have to have relationship. 
There has to be a relationship there in order to allow someone to speak into your life. Secondly, you got to have respect for people because there's going to be times of confrontation. You want to grow, but you don't want no one telling you anything. But you have to have respect for other individuals to get to where they want, they want to go, you want to go in life. Thirdly, confession. And this is vital because all of us want to grow, but we don't want to confess. Well, I'm sorry if, I, I'm sorry if you were offended or if I offended you. How many of anyone came up to you to apologize and they always say, hey, man, you know, if I offended you, I'm sorry. What do you mean if you offended me? What do you mean if? We wouldn't be standing here if you didn't offend me. You know you offended me. You know you got on, you know what you did was wrong. And now you're trying to put it on off on me that I'm hypersensitive. So if I offended you, since you're so hypersensitive, then as a result of your sensitivity, I apologize that you can't handle uh, someone talking to you or someone saying to you, if I offended you, I apologize that you got all bent out of shape when I just being me. That's stupidity. That's where you have to learn how to confess. Hey, I blew it. That's why marriages are ending all over the place because folks don't know how to take responsibility. I blew it, babe. I messed up. I'm sorry. I hurt you. Now, if I offended, you know you did. We don't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, if I offended you. If I offended you, if, I, if I've sinned before you, if I did anything wrong, Lord, forgive me. You got to take responsibility. Everyone say responsibility. And that responsibility, once you take, take responsibility, it's going to open you up to correction. And what's hard is correction is where rebuke steps in. Rebuke is tough, man, because rebuke is, is kind of, you know, we just bought a car, and this car has this thing called uh, lane control. And as you drive, if you don't pay attention, it pulls you back in the lane. I don't know how it does it. I don't know how they created it. I don't know how it figures things out, but you decide... I tried to change lanes right away, and it pulled me back in. <laughs> what are you doing? I had to turn it off because I wanted to be able, I want to, be able to zigzag. <laughs> what, what the car, what it was doing was rebuking me. It was bringing me back in line. It, it was keeping me in my lane. And the problem, the Bible says this, that he is without vision. Where there is no vision, the people... And that vision also keeps you in your lane. The, the, there's, the Spanish Bible puts it this way. Where, where there is no vision, the horses run around wild. Vision keeps you in your lane. Vision has the ability to rebuke you and keep you. So when you tell me your vision and you're doing, my, my vision is to get out of debt. My vision is to have, to, is to get married. My vision is to draw close to God. And then you do things that are getting you out of the lane that you said that you're heading to. I don't know, you're catching this one. 
The Holy Spirit is your lane control. You say you say you want to get out of debt, but you keep buying things that you don't need. Get in your lane. You say that you want a, you want a health, you want a godly marriage, but you keep going to the club to find a dude or a, a woman. You're, you're, you're going out of your lane. You say that you want to draw close to Christ, but you're doing things. When, when Sunday comes around, Wednesday comes around, you don't read your word. You take no time for God and you begin to do other things that take priority over God. You're getting out of your lane. It's vital that we understand that every so often we need a good rebuke. The Bible says discipline, the discipline at the time isn't, isn't pleasant. But it, I remember some of the spankings I got as a kid. It was, wasn't pleasant. My dad had no problem whipping out the belt. This is hurting me more than it's hurting you. Oh, yeah, right. Then why am I the one crying? Consequences. It leads to consequences. And listen, just because you're forgiven doesn't mean there's not consequences to pay. Okay? And sometimes we think, well, God God forgave me. I hear all these pastors that fall into sin. Just recently, another pastor. This blew me away. Dude was busted in bed with his church member. The husband came home early. Oh, yeah, that's right. He ran out of the house naked because the dude grabbed a gun. He's a pastor of a big, a big church, a, a mega church, and he was found in the street running naked because this guy had a gun going after him. When, when he stood before the church... He refuses to step down from the church, refused, refused to, because he says, God's forgiven me. Yeah, you're right. God forgave you. But there's consequences. There's consequences for your action. Now, God forgives you. I'm not standing here in judgment because I might need that grace someday. But, but not because of that. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? Now check this out. She'll be the one with the gun. Can, can I tell him? Can, can I tell him? Can I tell him? Angie's always told me this. We always, when, when all this stuff, when we see things like this, she goes, listen, just don't embarrass me. Just don't embarrass me. If you ever cheat on me, you make sure she's better looking and she's finer than I am. Don't, don't, don't lower yourself. Make sure you're, you're doing an upgrade. Someone that I'm going to look at and say, okay, I see what you're doing. <laughs> oh, I love my babe. <laughs> then she'll kill me. <laughs> Proverbs, <laughs> Proverbs 12. I love my wife. Proverbs 12, 12, 12, 1 says this, is that whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever, what? Whoever what? Is stupid. That's the word of God. When we hate correction, we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And we don't want nobody telling us anything. Correction is vital to growth. 
vital. Now, now I want to jump down. Let's go down to confession because confession is primary. These are things we went over last week, but confession is primary and it, t- it takes responsibility for our actions. And humility is necessary in order for, uh, for, for confession to take place. You have to have humility in order to confess when you confess correctly. And lastly, confession exposes pride. That's why it's so important. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why is confession important? Because confession exposes pride. And if you don't confess, it's hiding your pride. You don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to be corrected. And pride is the one thing. The problem with pride is this. Take a look at this now. I want you to see this. The problem of pride. Now, I know none of you in here have pride. No one in here has pride. All of you guys are, you guys are humble. It's like the guy that won the prize for the most humble man in the world. When he showed up to pick up his prize, they took it back because he showed up to pick up the prize. I can forget it. <laughs> I, want, I want to just kind of show you some things here. Number one, pride assures us that we're not so bad. When pride steps up, pride says this, well, I'm, I'm not that bad. And what it does, it compares yourself to other people, not to the standard of the word. It compares yourself to other individuals rather than comparing yourself to Christ. And so pride steps in. The problem with pride is it gets you to take a look at yourself and say, well, I'm I'm not really that man. Compared to so-and-so, dude, I'm doing pretty good. Man, compared to someone else, I'm doing all right. And you begin to, to judge yourself among yourself. And the Bible says that those that judge themselves among themselves are foolish. Because you'll always find someone that does it worse than you and it'll build pride in you. Well, I'm not as bad as them. Second thing is, is pride will agree to assistance. Now, listen carefully. Will agree to assistance, but not surrender. I'll get help for this area, whether I'm dealing with lust, whether I'm dealing with finances, dealing with anger. Pride says this, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take some assistance, but I'm not going to surrender. You can help me with this, but pride will not surrender. And that's the whole problem when it comes to serving Christ. You can't serve Christ halfway. Christ isn't here to assist you. He's here to carry you. And we're looking for somehow you you don't surrender part of your life to Christ. The Bible, you know, there's a song that says if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so we have to surrender our lives to him. But pride gets in the way. Third thing, pride will struggle to do better. And so when it comes down to it, pride says, I don't need help. And and that's one of the struggles with addiction, right, John? When trying to find help is pride says, I don't need help. I don't I don't need I don't need a program. I don't need a, 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 you know, I don't need counseling. I don't need any any help. I can do better. I can will myself through this thing. And so when we're, we're, we're on a failing marriage, we're in a failing finances, we're we're failing in our spiritual life. Pride says this. You don't need help. You got this. You, you can get through this. 
And you try to will yourself to the end. You try to will yourself to a relationship with God. Listen, you cannot do it on your own. That's why Christ died on the cross. Because he understood that your efforts cannot make it happen. You need to surrender. Surrendering is vital. We have to give up in order to receive what God has for us. So pride will struggle to do better. But the next thing is this. Pride doesn't understand the reason God calls us sinners. Let's say the sinner's prayer. Well, I can't. I'm I'm not a sinner. Done some bad things, but I'm not a bad person. Come on. We separate what we've done with who we are. And we don't want to take take responsibility for the things we've done. I'm, I'm not a fornicator. I just slip, sleep with other women. I'm, I'm not addicted to porn. I just look at porn on the internet. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Pride says, why, 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 why I got to be a sinner? Why, why do I have to be identified by that? Because you got to understand, we all have a fallen nature. And without Christ, we're, we're, we're hopeless. Because your best day is still a filthy rag before God. There's only one way to be cleansed before God, and that's confession. That's by, by coming to Christ. The, the, the last one is this, is pride will, get, will not give God his rightful place. We put ourselves on the throne instead of God. And we begin to think that somehow that we're in control and not God. You still with me, bro? Okay, you're leaning a little forward this time, man. You know, just making sure you're still, still with me, homie. Okay. And so, so I want you to understand something is that pride will not give God its, his rightful place. You have to give God his rightful place in your life. You got to put God on the throne. You got to take yourself off. You got to recognize God's rightful place to sit on the throne of your heart. You will not change your life. You will not change your direction until you recognize that God's place, God's rightful place in your life. Now, look, notice this. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says this. Pride precedes destruction, and an arrogant spirit appears before a fall. I don't know how many times I've seen it. Sit down with someone that you see them heading toward the cliff, and you say, hey, man, you know, you got to be careful. Hey, sister, you got to be careful with this. And I got this. Don't, you don't need to be telling me that. Who are you to tell me this? Who are you? Are you God? And all of a sudden, the attitude jumps up, that pride, that arrogance comes out. I got this. You don't have to tell me anything. And anger always accompanies that prideful spirit. Because people, they take this, this literally disgust. How dare you tell me something? When those kind of situations rise up, you just kind of step back and just get ready for the crash. Because you can't tell them nothing. You can't say nothing. You just got to be ready to pick up the pieces. And you don't know how many times you just want to say, see, after it happens. (laughs) What tell you? 
But they're calling you up and like, Pastor, (laughs) can't even understand what they're saying. They're all messed up. And you you just want to say, see. (laughs) But I tell you, but you can't do that. You got to be there to help pick up the pieces and help them back up again and help put things back together again. And let you're you're all right. God loves you. You know, you can do this and and start pulling them back together as much as you say. See, I told you, I told you, you got to help them because that's what we've been called to. The problem of pride. The problem of pride continues because listen, listen to this. Pride allows life to revolve around us. Pride keeps us on the throne. Come on, somebody. Don't say amen, because I know this doesn't apply to any of you. This is family members, friends. Pride leads to a reprobate mind. What's reprobate? You ever see anyone that does, does, that does wrong and they feel no sorrow about it? It's because the Bible says their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. They do things and they feel nothing about it. There's no remorse. How many of you here, uh, you sin, you feel bad about it? Maybe not at the time, all right? But later on, you're like, oh, man, I can't believe it. I'm better than that. I'm better. Man, you, 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 I can't believe I, you don't know how after, when I'm sinning, everything's cool. I'm just being straight. When I'm sinning, I don't know about you. When I'm sinning, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all right. It's after the sin that I realize, dang, what an idiot. What'd you do? Because it feels good when you're sinning. Sin would not be an attraction to you if it didn't feel good in the process. Right? Feels good to get angry and tell some, give someone a piece of your mind, right? Someone cuts you off. You you know you're number one. Feels good getting getting that anger off your chest, or or, or whether it's that sexual activity, or whether it's that 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 drug, or whatever. In the moment, it feels good, but the Bible says that that sin for a season, it's going to lead to destruction. When you're done at the end, you're going to realize, man, man it's, it doesn't. You come crashing down that reprobate mind. It gets to a point where God says, Holy Spirit literally says this. You know, I'm tired of convicting you of this. You don't want to do you don't want to listen to me. You don't want to you don't want to respond to me. You you keep on doing your own thing. So what's the spirit of God do? Go ahead. Do your thing. Go do your thing. You know what Paul says? Paul puts it this way. Hand them over to Satan that the body may be destroyed, but that the soul might be saved. You you want to act that way? Go ahead with Satan. Satan's going to destroy your body. But you're going to come to a point where you realize, man, I need God. And that's going to save your soul. And you you see that played out in the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians. Where Paul now says, hey, we'll receive him back now. He, he's repented. Receive him back to the fold. Let's, let's continue as we close, okay? Pride enslaves us in the sin that Christ came to free us from. Do you understand that if you would just humble yourself, it's going to set you to freedom? 
But when we refuse to humble ourselves, we end up enslaved to the very thing Jesus came to set you free from. You were created to be set free, and yet we're operating in bondage. Look at what James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says as we close. Therefore, submit to God. Everyone say, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The problem is we're not resisting. We're opening the door. Come on in, Satan. Let's hang out for a while. Let's talk about our problem. We're inviting Satan in rather than resisting him. Some of y'all, you don't even have to resist him. He he has you on speed dial. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. I love that. Just straight. You're a sinner. Let's just call it what it is. You're a sinner. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. So as we close tonight, how do we break free from pride? If there's one area in my life that I've struggled with was this right here. One area I've struggled in my life with was pride. Being able to say I'm sorry to my wife when I knew I blew it. Her grace that she has is amazing. But when I blew it, just my dad in, in the years, I've never heard my dad say I'm sorry. It was my model. That was my, and yet he was a man of God. I've never heard him, how he responded whenever maybe mistreating or doing something is that let's go get let's go to the store go get some ice cream let's it was always let's just buy something to cover what happened never son i'm sorry i apologize for how i acted or what i did first thing we got to do is you want to get rid of pride Submit to God. Come on, folks, submit to God. James tells us, and th- this is the brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus. He's telling us, you want to get rid of, if anyone had the right to be prideful, that's Jesus. That's really my homie. It's my brother. If anyone had a right to walk in pride, it would have been him. He was family with Jesus, shared blood, same mother. He says, hey, sub- submit yourself to God. He had to. That would be humbling for him to submit himself to his brother. Resist the devil. They're, they're, we're, we're giving in too much to the enemy. You're allowing Satan to play games with you. You, would you rather submit or resist God and submit to the devil? Or would you rather submit to God and resist the devil? Resist the devil, draw near to God. Look at this progression. As I submit to God, I resist the devil. Just, just tell the devil no. I draw near to God. Then I cleanse myself of my sin. Confess it. Get rid of if, Lord, forgive me for this sin. Identify it. Identify the failure. Identify the mark. Identify where you blew it. And then lastly, purify your hearts of double-mindedness. What's that mean? 
some of us are so unsure. One moment we're on fire for God, next moment we're clubbing. One moment we're, we're, we're singing worship, next moment we're cussing. One moment we're witnessing, next moment we're destroying people. What, what do you want? Who are you? What, what do you want to do? Make a choice. Submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God, cleanse your heart from sin, and purify yourself from double-mindedness. My question to you tonight is simply this. Do you really want to be like God? Do you really want to be fashioned after the image of God? Or do you want to be in your own image? Because if we really say, we gather here in church, we come to church, we learn. We come here so we can become Christ-like. Do you really want to be Christ-like? If not, why come? Why, Why even come to church? Stay out there so we know where you're at so we can pray for you the right way. Don't get one foot in, one foot out. Make a determination, be a great sinner or a great Christian, but stop trying to do both. Because at least then we know how to pray for you. When you're a great sinner, we can can intercede and pray that God, we hand you over to Satan so your body would be destroyed so that your soul could be saved. Come on, somebody. So so if you're going to go to the world, just go out to the world so we can pray for your body to be destroyed. Sounds harsh, huh? But you know what? Your body's only here for a little while. Your soul's going to go on forever. And I'm more in love with your soul than anything else. Because someday I'm going to stand before God as a pastor of this church, and there's going to be a roll call. And I want to be able to say all present and accounted for. For you for your family, for my family, and say, God, every one of the sheep that you placed me in charge of, every one of them's here. I don't have 99 out of 100. 97, all 100 that you gave me, God, are here right now. That's why we preach how we preach. We share how we share. So I would rather you be offended at me then you love me all the way to hell. I'd rather offend you into heaven than love you into hell. Bow your heads with me tonight. I don't know about you, but... It's bad enough that Satan is keeping people from heaven. He doesn't need our assistance in doing that. So you're here right now, and maybe there's some pride that's gotten in the way, if that's you. And it's really hard because when you make an altar call for pride, pride says you're okay. (laughs) So you're struggling immediately with with, with pride because it's like, uh, I'm really okay. So... Just gonna have everyone stand. Okay? See, I got you covered, man. I got you covered. Got you covered. 
didn't put you on blast tonight. Now, next step's up to you, though. You're here right now and standing. These altars are open. I just want you to make your way forward tonight. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to him. Right now, come on, let's go. Especially you. Pride's a tough thing, man. Pride's a dangerous thing. It was pride that Satan built his kingdom on. That's why God hates pride so much. Satan said, I will ascend to the throne of the Most High. I will be like the Most High. Pride just gets in the way of what it is that God's trying to accomplish in your life. And tonight, it's all about just becoming like Christ. Just becoming like Christ. So right where you are, just lift your hands and just just in a solemn moment before God. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.